0: Taylor Swift's best three albums came out the same years that the Giants won the, each of their World Series.
1: That's a that's a deep cut.
0: Like yeah, like I, I don't think it requires a lot of discussion. We'll probably move on from it, but I think I think people should think about that.
1: I like I like the ones where you do your research. I think the the audience likes that too.
0: No, I th- that's something I stole from R slash uh, Baseball. But that's uh, yeah, because there are a couple things this week. So first. Um, Uh, It took until September 15th for the Giants to win their first game in September. Uh, That's pretty good. And then, um, as of, I think, yesterday, uh, the Giants were eliminated uh, from uh, playoff contention. Not that that's uh,
1: any big surprise. So, can I make a confession? I don't think we've talked about this on-air or off-air.
0: I think I know what you're going to say, but yeah, go
1: for it. This is the first season since we moved up here that I haven't been to a game.
0: Oh, it's your fault. I was gonna, th- I was gonna say that I thought you haven't watched any of the games.
1: I mean, I've seen you know bits and pieces here and there. I, I couldn't promise you that I've watched a game from start to finish. Yeah, I don't think I have either. Like, I mean, it's, I, like I at least maybe
0: two games a week. I'll just have it on in the background just because it's it's pleasant to listen to i mean um but yeah i did i go to a game this season i think i went to one but yeah
1: i mean for me it was just you know it was a a busy summer personally so it it wasn't like i don't know it wasn't some personal statement against the giants or something but
0: i i I think the the state of buster posey is is very angry with you (laughs) or sorry a state implies something happened whoops no um yeah, the, the 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 Posey franchise.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Toy- Toyota, by proxy, is also upset.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, your local Bay, Bay Area Toyota dealers.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, they still let me into Pico.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Uh, but at least we have fo- uh, football to look forward to. Mm-hmm. A very yeah, unproblematic it's... sport.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um. No, in, in all seriousness, you actually, you can start getting excited about basketball. I think I saw somewhere today that the preseason starts in something like 10 days, so... Eh. You you generally like basketball.
0: I care about... Okay, this is, this is going to sound super uh, ideologically inconsistent, um, so I might as well be a member of the Republican Party, but <laughs> um, basketball has too many games, and this is coming from somebody who likes baseball that has twice as many games. No, that's, that's so true. I, I don't care about basketball until it's uh, the postseason.
1: Yeah, basketball needs to be between 68 and 70 games.
0: That's an odd amount to cut off. So you just lopped off
1: 20%? Yeah. Right.
0: Uh, why, why pick that?
1: Well, because I think one of the key things that the NBA needs to figure out is player rest. Because there's been all kinds of issues with star players basically just taking games off in an effort to get more rest. <laughs> and I think if you took out roughly 20% of the games, you could set up the schedule in such a way where each team would have an extra day or two off you know, in, in any given week. And I think players then having to, well not having to, but choosing to rest for a game would be much less of a thing. And this, I mean, this is not, I'm not saying anything original here. This has been what a lot of NBA fans and media have been calling for. But, um, you know, like, especially Bill Simmons has probably got the, the most interesting idea where his season would be something like that 68 to 70 games. But then obviously the number one issue that you have to solve for is the loss in revenue. But the way that you would do that with his proposal is this is actually what he calls it it's like the i think it's the entertaining as hell tournament where you have either the bottom seed in each conference or maybe like the bottom two seeds in each conference be something kind of similar to um like the baseball wild card system except this would be you would take sounds like
0: it's the exact opposite
1: well you know like with the wild card in baseball now it's like a one game playoff to then kind of get into the rest of the postseason Mm But in, in Simmons's proposal, it would be like a four or six team tournament, but like also single elimination. And then you'd be playing for, you know, the last one or two playoff spots. But isn't
0: the disparity in like overall performance in the, bas- in, in the basketball, in the NBA more? <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired. Um, isn't that more pronounced than baseball? Like, I mean, it, it feels like if you're Bad, not bad at basketball, but if if you're not a cohesive team or you don't have the talent to rival the the moneyed teams in major markets, don't you? It's harder to, it's less um, competitive than say being the Padres versus the 2014 Giants. Like where if you're sufficiently lucky, you can blow open a game where it feels like basketball is a sport where you can't do that. Like where if you're not competitive like they would just get knocked out of the playoffs immediately if that happened
1: so that's that's very true um when you're talking about like a one versus eight seed um well i guess so i guess actually so i guess to clarify what you're saying is it's it's not the play-in tournament that would be uncompetitive you're saying whoever came out of that tournament yeah
0: because you're saying they get a spot in the playoffs now and and then by, by nature, aren't there 30 ish
1: NBA teams? There are. Yeah. So
0: I mean, yeah, that means, yeah, it doesn't.
1: But but I mean, we've had in the last 10 years, we've had a couple of occasions where a number eight seed's beaten a number one seed in the first round. So it's it's not impossible.
0: Okay. Well, you and Nate Silver, or uh, the other Silver, did,
1: what's his name? Adam. Adam. A- Adam. A Nate, Nate, Nate's cousin.
0: Yeah, you and Adam Silver can can uh uh connect up or or sync up on that.
1: Uh-huh. Uh
0: 104. All right. Uh in other distressing news to move this along, <laughs> the, the New York Times um I don't know if I sent this link in the thing. Uh the New York Times did a write-up of uh how America fell in love with ranch dressing. And um it's really 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 distressing. And 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 I cry for the nation's collective taste buds. But the only reason I bring it up is that the, apparently, fun fact: the people behind the Hidden Valley Ranch Company are from Santa Barbara, and that's where the name comes from. Huh? Yeah, ranch is gross, and I was really disappointed where uh, the New York Times spent time on that um, in an article titled "Ranch Nation."
1: Yeah, this will be in the notes. the The picture at the top of the article is is very troubling. Like I'm not I'm not at all opposed to you know, including some ranch with your pizza, but to Ooh. drizzle it over the top like that, I I have a lot of questions about. Yeah, this looks like a Guy Fieri fever dream. And this is <laughs> Well no, that would be pizza with uh you know, your your favorite sauce of his, the 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 donkey sauce. <laughs> um we didn't. We didn't get a chance to talk about this on the air no, either. But we, we had it. We had it in the uh, the back burner, as you would say. Is that what um, I called it? Yeah, probably. Right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um. He is, or I guess at this point, maybe already has a match. Opened, a match made in heaven. Yeah, opened a restaurant in Disney World where the kind of it. You know, it, it's a it's a typical kind of takeout fast foody kind of barbecue place, but the you know Guy Fieri. Uh, signature stamp is they have something like 24 26 different dipping sauces and there was this article that i'll I'll try to find and put in the notes that took some pictures of the the list of sauces and and some of them when i sent you the link i could just picture you (laughs) just wanting to basically throw your computer out a window
0: as a famed restaurateur this offends me on multiple multiple levels and also the <laughs> fact that there's a fucking life-size cutout that you can stand next to and take a picture with uh at uh apparently as does robert earl is he is he a person or like is, is he notable robert earl yeah the link that you originally sent me that that details um the uh chicken guy which apparently is well inside it, it, disney springs which what is that
1: well, I mean, before we go any further, we—I have real-time correction here. the The name of the restaurant is Chicken Guy. if you, you, you forgot the exclamation mark.
0: Oh, it's like nice. Uh, nice!
1: nice. Hmm. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I think if if the New York Times doesn't sue us for the daily thing, I think Merlin's probably going to sue us for stealing his <laughs> nice bit. Um. Yeah this this is this is upsetting and I don't want to spend time with this cuz people need to hear about the iOS 12 stuff. <laughs> um Yeah, what how oh, hmm. this is yeah, this is fucking upsetting. This is, this is like a bizarro Poyos hermanos. Like this this is like if <laughs> it's like if um Breaking Bad was on like Bravo or something. Yeah. This is—oh, and there's, there's quotes on the walls where he uh, says they're antibiotic-free chicken, and it's got—it's uh, signed Guy! Mm-hmm.
1: Very on brand.
0: This is, this is garbage, so we're going to close this, and we're going to move <laughs> on to follow-up. Um, anyway, San, uh, Hidden Valley Ranch, an abomination, hails from Santa Barbara, California. One of the nicest places in, in the country. So, an embarrassment—or uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, the Land of Contradictions. Follow-up. Mm. You are going to talk a lot about uh, some Hue bulbs for a bit, I think, and I'm going to sit quietly.
1: Yeah, so I have, um, as you would say, have really leaned into the the Philips Hue ecosystem, which I had previously done in our apartment in the city. And then, as I've explained on the show, kind of thought we were going to go in a different direction here in the house with the whole smart switch idea for a handful of reasons that ended up not really being the ideal solution. And so I again as you would say pivoted towards uh, mm. <laughs> getting going, you know, really all in on the the Philips Hue bulbs. So I on a recent Home Depot trip uh, bought a handful of the the recessed light Philips Hue white ambiance bulbs. <laughs> Not to be mistaken, I'm bummed, I'm bummed
0: that you didn't use that show title.
1: I know. Well, that there it was a banner week of show titles. It was hard <laughs> to choose, uh, but yeah. Not to be mistaken with the Philips Hue ambiance with color, because these these do not have other colors other than various shades of white. Um. So I have now installed these in the bedroom, in the family room um well then i guess i installed our old lights or some of our old lights in the bathrooms um and so not not a lot new to say with the the ones in the bathrooms those are just the the standard hue white a19 bulbs um other than the fact that i it's great to have the motion sensors back did i ever talk about that on the show when we had those you did. I think i must have yeah mm-hmm. They're they're really great to have in a in a bathroom. And you can, you know, set them up so that at different times of the day the lights get triggered at different brightness levels, which is great for like you know, basically using the bolt as like a night light when you walk into the bathroom. It's it's great. Um but the the hue ambiance lights, oh, and the one other place I installed them was the the entryway. That's what I was missing. Um they're really, really nice. Mm-hmm. Um I'm I guess one of my kind of weird things that I'm peculiar peculiar about is, um, like color temperature of lighting. Um, like you know what I mean. Like I really yeah. I don't like. Well, you you could
0: you're 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 a discerning guy. You can tell the difference between 4,300 Kelvin and uh, 2,700.
1: Exactly. A soft white versus a uh, hospital white. Exactly. Yes, the, the hospital white is, is was, was exact <laughs> was exactly what I was going to reference. Like it's it's like I've stayed in hotels where the lighting has been that color, and it's just it's it's very unsettling. Um, <laughs> and there As are supposed to everything else about this year.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right.
1: Um, and you know there are just there are different situations and different times of the day where different uh, color temperatures make more sense. Mm-hmm. And the the range of these bulbs is really impressive. Um and they, you know, they come preloaded with about a dozen different uh yeah, Philips calls them scenes. <laughs> um and it's it's pretty it's a pretty neat little demo to kind of go back and forth because the the preloaded scenes do a really nice job of kind of showing the range of the bulbs. Um so they're really nice. Um, you know, my my primary complaint continues to be that Philips doesn't yet have a solution for a smart switch that's compatible with the bulbs. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, well, so, you know, they they have the, the dimmer switch, which I got you in on. But, you know, you got to stick that basically next to your regular switch, which you then leave permanently on, which is, it's not the most elegant solution. And I... You know, much like having the keypad with the August Smart Lock, I think having something like the dimmer switch is key to make the Hue lights work Mm -hmm. because your alternatives are always controlling them with your voice, which, no, yeah, that doesn't really work. And then the other alternative, which I think is even worse, is using your regular switch, but then obviously losing all (laughs) connectivity with the bulbs until you remember to turn that switch back on. Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of the we talked about this briefly either last week or the week before where one of the things that persuaded me to get back into the Philips Hue ecosystem is they have partnered with a third party who by the end of this year is going to come out with switches that are compatible with the Hue lights which can replace your your standard switches.
0: Yeah. The the alternative you could do which which again since you already have a game plan of what's coming out later this year, you could always just does your house have like switches that stick out? Is that the deal?
1: Um, they, so for the most part, we just have, like, this the standard, yeah, single-pole kind of just, you know, switch.
0: Because, like, I guess I'm, like, like, in my apartment, I have the ones, like, where, you know, like, those um really, like, it's just, it's not a switch more than kind of, like, a rocker it, thing. A rocker, thin. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you, with those, uh, on, like, it, at least the switches I have, you can actually layer the uh, dimmer switch directly on top of it so you don't have double switches.
1: What do you mean? How do, how do you do that?
0: Um, I think I've taken, I don't have a, I don't know how to search this in iPhoto,
1: but um, like I don't know how you describe it, but how do you? Um... Cause I've, I've been slowly because one of the things I had to do was um, any room where I was installing the hue lights that had a dimmer switch. I, I took out the dimmer switch and put in just a standard switch. And I've actually been replacing the switches with those, the rocker style switch that you're referring to
0: um so how do you, why is it being like this uh copy image address okay so i mean if you have these which i mean which would probably be a sensible upgrade no matter what in your house like if you get the ones that don't have a lot of motion and it's just kind of like a really um what's what's the term like not like it not narrow what's the opposite of narrow
1: like 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 a low profile
0: yeah like those you can actually layer the um the dimmer switch thing that you got me turned on to uh, directly on top of it. So that way you don't have two switches.
1: Holy cow. Be, be, and that works because... I'll, I'll take a picture tomorrow.
0: Uh, but like, no, it, it Cause there's totally... Because like, there's like
1: a bit of a gap on the back, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. But that doesn't work for if you have like a double rocker.
0: Uh, no. Yeah. Yeah, no. Okay. No, but who's uh, who's what's So it's not Philips themselves that's making the, because uh, this one actually like requires like not an electrician, but like you would have to. Um, and you luckily egged me on to not hire somebody to do it and and risk electrocuting myself, and and I did it my on my own. But you'd actually have to go into the wall and turn off like your wiring and and, and replace so, the switches.
1: Yeah. So ask me anything about electricity because I've I've actually been doing this. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I kid. I'm, I'm by no means an electrical expert, but I, I have been actually replacing, um, switches in the house. Cause again, you don't want a dimmer switch connected to the Phillips bulbs. It can cause them to flicker, or buzz. It's, it's, or, or
0: just, you have to make sure it's always in the 100% position. Like absolutely. Otherwise, yeah, it, it's weird.
1: Yeah. But even, even sometimes there, you can, you can just get some weird co- conflicts. So. D- dimmer switches don't in general even putting like the smart bulb uh, issue aside um and this was this was one of the reasons why this the smart switches uh didn't really work out is uh, dimmable LEDs just don't play well with dimmer switches like if you do any kind of poking around the internet you'll just you'll see people just having all kinds of issues with that um so so anyway so i i've taken out some of those dimmer switches and yeah replaced them with a style switch that's that's kind of similar to the one that um we'll put in the notes here yeah i'm looking at this wire cutter article apparently those uh
0: lutron casita things that jason still likes man that the app looks really bad
1: well that's yeah i mean that was something that i talked about um when i was explaining kind of some of the reasons why i i didn't didn't really work out oh um, are those the ones you had yeah well i i just i just bought one just to kind of try it um and just yeah it just didn't didn't really love it. Um, and, you know, the, the the app was a factor. But, the, like, the really big thing is, again, like, I really loved having those Philips lights in the apartment just because of the great light that they put off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had gone and tried to buy some LED, just regular LED bulbs to use with that Casita smart dimmer. And, like I was explaining a minute ago, had all kinds of issues around them buzzing and flickering. So... Um, yeah, just ended up wanting to go with the, the, the Phillips lights, which, you know, I'm very happy to have back, but again, am am really looking forward to when they have their kind of native switch set up. Cause I, I like your idea of putting the dimmer switch over the top of a rocker type switch, but like in the family room, as an example, I've got the, you know, double rocker switch where that's, that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Do You remember the first iTunes phone? The the, the rockers.
0: <laughs> Sorry, every time I just going not stop thinking of every time you said "rocker."
1: I um. Well, I oh, mean,
0: you, you know, I so you know I had, that demo. <laughs> you know, I had no, that you, phone. No, you didn't. You had the fuck. What was it called?
1: The sliver. Oh, you're right. But yeah, the, the, the rocker had was iTunes. The, crazy. The, the sliver had iTunes too, though, didn't it? It did. Yeah. But it wasn't oh. the first one. But
0: yeah, Steve was so pissed.
1: What didn't the uh, rocker only support something like is it was like twenty two songs no, or something?
0: No, it had an artificial hard coded limit of a hundred songs, regardless of how short they were. <laughs> oh, and I will just uh, you can put a link in the show notes to this uh, Wikipedia picture link. But this is if this says two thousand six, more than anything else, makes me very happy. <laughs> a beautiful 12 inch g4 PowerBook, with with the funkiest cable for the funkiest phone trying to transfer music
1: it's pretty good oh man mm-hmm. well it's a computer so
0: apparently not an ipad <laughs> um to anybody that wants to get some fucking work done um all right so do you have anything else with your smart home or is that pretty much it
1: that's uh that's pretty much it for now um I want to continue... Oh, so can I can I ask... So what's the... How
0: many more bulbs do you have in the house? If you were to go all in on this, how many more do you have?
1: So it would be four here in the office. It would be four in the guest room. And it would be six in the living room. Um, unfortunately, the kitchen has this crazy
0: oh is it the it, I, like i think i have the same thing is it the one where it's like a, a square thing with four prongs yes and fun-
1: God, yeah damn. you know. can ch-
0: well actually you know you're a homeowner you can change i've done research on this too you can change the ballasts and allow it to turn in and there's adapters that you can get that turn it into a standard br30 like little screw-in bulb but I'm, I'm I'm a renter, so I'm not I'm not going to. We
1: do that. You, we should we should provide me with some links after the show. I'd be because okay. it um just it gives like talking about the hospital white light. It just it gives off such a terrible light. Yeah,
0: like mine are okay, but the only thing is that they're super super bright, and it's very hard to find. I think the pin layout is called 27K. You, you I, I yeah, I've researched this a lot. Um. But mine are so bright, and I don't can't find anybody that carries ones that aren't like a hundred watts. So it's like blinding when I when I'm in the you know the chef's kitchen.
1: <laughs> so is the like I don't understand. it. Is does the the that adapter to BR30? Does that involve some kind of like? So, so
0: apparently with, and I'll send you links later. But like there's a something called a ballast, which I don't know what that is. That go that is what turns into that funky square plug. And you can remove that or put in, like, a neutral one or something. And then there's a little thing that converts that to just standard, like, screw and light bulb, and you're good to go.
1: Got it. Okay. Yeah.
0: So anyway, um, moving on, uh, I'm still right about the small uppercase S being the same thing as a lowercase S. Apple just can't figure it out. Um yeah, your your link to to Gruber saying that it's a different thing is is not convincing, and uh, Dan Morin's on my side, so case closed. <laughs> uh, Shake Shack will be opening up. We're, we're just going to blow through this stuff. <laughs> Shake Shack is opening up in Palo Alto later this year, um, and then the Larkspur one. Uh, no updates on when that's happening.
1: But then they're also opening in. Is that are they the ones opening in the Marina in San Francisco? Where that grocery store used to be? We talked about this. Was it Was it Shake Shack? And then like it was, they're like taking that building, splitting it in half. One half is a Shake Shack. The other is a gym.
0: Uh, uh that sounds familiar, but ideally that neighborhood just needs a third blue barn. <laughs> <laughs> One where exclusively the fresh Chef works. Yeah, well, that's right. Back to uh-huh. episode 162. Yeah. Maybe for that. Uh, Tesla is, uh, yes, it's, it's fairly confirmed that the SEC is looking into the, um, stock manipulation tweet. That's cool. And, um, uh, the big news, uh, we'll talk about this next week. Uh, but OmniFocus 3 for Mac is coming out September 24th, which is next Monday. I have been using the beta. It's very solid. It's beautiful. I'm so literally so excited so are you using is there already a new ios app that's the one thing that i got uh bummed out about is that they released OmniFocus 3 for ios like in may and i haven't been using it because i'm like well like i I i want tags and all this other stuff but like if it doesn't have feature parity with the mac app then like what's the point
1: yeah um yeah we should um there's a lot else to get to this week, but we should uh, do a deep dive on OmniFocus 3 at some point.
0: Well, yeah, it's it's going to be out, and I assume you'll have upgraded by next week, too. So we'll we'll talk about it next week, because I assume the uh, iPhone XS stuff uh, will be super brief. <laughs> yeah, because I'm, I'm not buying any of Gruber's stuff that the camera is uh, monumentally better. I've seen a lot of uh, examples... Where portrait mode is is failing in exactly the ways that it always has. So
1: yeah, but I think it's it's more than just about portrait mode. It's about low light situations and, and what what I what I got from his review,
0: especially what the and also the, well, people should go to um, Gruber's review of the iPhone XS because it um, has a cameo from Scott Simpson in it, which is which is pretty great. Mm-hmm. but the two examples he brings up of that um actually i think this is the same place where um we saw three ring binder once yeah i was i was thinking that yeah um where i don't think the sensor is actually better if you look at the um the two images like if you just flip between them really quick it seems mostly like it's the smart hdr and the like taking eight pictures at once and uh, once and stacking them down and using algorithms to smooth out the stuff well, but I,
1: but that was um well but that that was most of the premise of his article was so much of the improvement software based.
0: Yeah, but then the camera is not really better. Like that's, that's just Apple kind of artificially limiting any improvements to the latest model. That's kind of lame.
1: No, but I, I, I'd, I'd push back on that because what Gruber's pointing out is that the, the camera system in the iPhone is, is a lot more than just about the hardware. It's about the, well, I, I should rephrase that. It's a lot more than just about the lens and the sensor. It's about the processor and then it's also about the underlying software, and I think oh, a lot sure. of the, a lot of the improvements he's pointing out are they're not artificially blocked from the previous mm. versions of the phone; they're made possible by the A12.
0: Mm. I, I think in the, in in prior years, and people can go back and listen. Like, but I I think I've given Apple tons of credit for being super um, like relentlessly iterative on uh, improving the camera hardware and software and like the thing is like the iphone the reason why it generally takes better photos than most other uh smartphones it's like it's it's con it's like whenever you tap the shutter button isn't necessarily when it's taking the picture it's using a lot of smart sensors to look at handshake and a whole bunch of other things to get the best single frame that it can and even though like up until the 10s generation like it's um the hdr stuff has been fairly rudimentary um and basic it's i i don't uh, i don't think most of this is related to the a12 the the a11 is a very very competent processor like and they and they need a reason for people to upgrade and i'm not i'm not gonna i'm not hating on them for i'm just saying but that like it it is mostly software and it's software that could run on the older phones well okay i i don't i don't think that's the case but same thing with the faster algorithms thing with with (laughs) face id where I mean, like that's that's super weird. Like that's a like Apple's very meticulous in the way they market things, and that's a super funky way of saying uh, th- none of the hardware is actually better. It's we've just tweaked some software stuff, and it probably could also run on the older phone. And the ten is no slouch in terms of processor.
1: So, <sighs> um. Well, so anyway, so what what was uh, what was your uh, ordering strategy this last Friday? For what? for the the new phone and watch where you were you uh, you were up at midnight i believe i think i got a oh yeah i sent a dog a dog gift to you mm-hmm.
0: um yeah I didn't, buy, I didn't buy i didn't buy a phone no um i did order a watch it's not coming for a week but or it's not coming for an extra week but that's fine
1: yeah yeah it seemed like the stainless steel models were i kinda... think from minute
0: one they were all gonna be september 29th october 2nd
1: right mm-hmm. which is
0: a bummer and is your uh, 44, it's not called the Sport anymore, just your 44 Aluminum, is that coming on launch day? It is, yeah. Cool. Um,
1: yeah, it was, a, it was a really good experience. The store came online right at midnight for me. Um, I had explained last week that I had gone through kind of the the pre-approval process for the iPhone upgrade program. So when I opened the app at midnight, it actually just brought me to a page that was just like, hey, do you want to complete your iPhone pre-order? And it was like two button taps and I was done with that and then went back into the store, put my put the watch into my bag, and then went through the standard checkout process for that. So I think I was done by like twelve oh three. So it was a pretty pretty easy process.
0: Yeah, the CDNs over here didn't update and I was getting the be right back um thing up until like twelve ten.
1: Were you on your uh Mac or were you on your phone? I tried both. Hmm.
0: Yeah. No difference. Strange.
1: Hmm. Because I've definitely heard stories in previous years where...
0: Oh, no, the phone, in that the, the app is definitely the way to go.
1: Yeah, right. And with the iPhone upgrade program, I I think you have to do it that way. At least the kind of pre-approval process that I went through, I, I think you had to do that with the app. I don't think you could go on apple.com and do the same thing. Hmm.
0: All right, and do you have any other, uh, as you wrote, follow-up in or out about last week's event, other than iOS 12, which we'll get to?
1: Yeah, I think iOS 12 has been kind of actually the the main headline since last week's event, so I, I don't don't think I have anything else to add from the event itself. And obviously, we'll have lots more to say about the hardware come next week.
0: Or, or <laughs> I will. will. Sorry. <laughs> I will sit quietly and, and, and knit. Mm-hmm. Um so iOS 12 and watchOS 5 were uh released to the public after a lengthy beta period uh on Monday the 17th. Um watchOS as uh as usual takes uh literally a billion years to install. I don't think anybody can can argue otherwise. Uh iOS 12 came out in the early morning and it was it was a pretty seamless upgrade. Um for what's different about it, iOS 12 seems like a very like iterative uh, release. Uh, no big sweeping changes to it, but I think the most user-facing things are going to be things like uh, screen time and app limits. Uh, they've made a lot of changes to the way that notifications work um, that makes it easier to um, eliminate and silence notifications and also do something called deliver notifications quietly, which is pretty neat. Um. Actually, what else is different about iOS 12? Well, they did they did make great pains. They went through great pains to um, make sure that this was an update that was uh, focused on speed and in pr- uh, either not degrading the performance of older phones, which a lot of people think they do, which is actually not really ever been the case. Uh, but actually, in many cases, it's actually speeding up performance of older devices, which is pretty great.
1: Well, then a little thing called Siri shortcuts.
0: Oh, Yeah. But but what else is that really it?
1: Just just smarter notifications and there's other stuff too, right? Um, I mean, in terms of like headlining features, there's you know there's the new bedtime do not disturb mode. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the did you already mention like the stacked notifications?
0: Yeah. So the improvements. So I'm I'm on Apple's website. So uh, I forgot uh coming later this fall, FaceTime with up to thirty two people. Oh good. Um improvement. Oh, Memoji. I don't have an I don't have an iPhone 10. Um so that won't be a thing, but you can you can Memoji yourself and I think I'm still able to receive it.
1: Um I a- I, I stand I stand by I I don't know if I said this on the show. I think I did. Mm-hmm. Um I definitely said it off air. If I if I ever see someone in the wild using a Memoji to have a FaceTime conversation, mm-hmm. I I'm switching to Android. You won't, but that's okay. (laughs) Um, Say
0: a screen time. That's, I think. And there were alleged, well, I I say like allegedly sounds like a really negative word. But uh, sorry, there are things I haven't tested yet. But there apparently have been a lot of improvements to the Photos app, where apparently the machine learning search stuff is significantly better.
1: You know what's funny is... I actually had this come up a couple of weeks ago where I I ran into an old coworker that I hadn't seen in a while and he wanted to show me some some picture on his phone. I forget exactly what it was, but the way he found it was he searched for it like just, you know, using keywords and and dates and things. And I kind of like totally forgot that something you could do mm-hmm. in the photos app. And it's yeah, extremely useful and his gotten a lot more powerful in iOS 12 where I guess you can now have sort of like multi-term searches where um like the the example that Jason used this week on upgrade was he wanted to find a picture of his dog in the snow so he could you know type in dog and then type in snow and it it kind of further filtered down the initial dog results into just photos of his dog in the snow
0: yeah so that's pretty solid and Jason is kind of the authority on um iPhone photo stuff. Very much. Actually, so. he, he wrote the book on it. Mm, look, quite literally, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I I totally forgot the the headlining feature is there's a there's a news app.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and I guess you you actually weren't really can't fault you all that much for forgetting about shortcuts because it's not technically part of the OS, which was a really surprising part of the upgrade process where. I, you know, typically when you install to a a latest, you know, to to the the latest rather .o iOS release, after the upgrade's done, you have to go through kind of like an abbreviated setup process, similar to like the initial setup process for the phone. Um, And I fully expected Siri shortcuts to be highlighted there. And when it wasn't, I thought that was kind of strange. And then you know one of the first things i did after the upgrade was done was go to the app store to see what kind of app updates i had that were ios 12 focused and of course one of them was uh to the workflow app which literally just changes that app to the shortcuts app which so that's kind of interesting but then the other thought that i had was if you were someone who didn't have the workflow app installed which would be probably most regular users like Shortcuts is not something that comes natively with iOS 12. Like, it's an app that you have to go out and get, uh, which is, uh, I don't know, kind of interesting.
0: That makes sense because I, I think we're probably in the wrong circles for most of this, um, where a lot of the coverage and discussion about um, iOS 12 and Siri shortcuts, like, that's been one of the marquee features. And I think for most people, like, if if i'm being honest like 96% of people will never touch it and i think that makes sense like i, I think if uh, as part of like the iOS 12 like you just complete uh, like update completed thing if um if shortcuts was part of the onboarding flow like that would be super weird just cuz it's it's very and and we'll get to this we'll we'll, we'll save it for a little, for a minute but it's 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 a very com Plex application that seems like apple like in a lot of ways. So I I don't I I don't fault them for n- not hiding it, but not um shoving it in front of people because I think for a lot of people it would be um like in- inscrutable in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Yeah,
0: but I do I do really appreciate even though Apple's had a bad rap for a lot of um for the performance of new version of i a new versions of iOS on older devices, where I mean I I. Th- I mean, maybe it's their fault, but where they haven't maybe thoroughly tested or prioritized how well it runs on older devices. Like, I don't ever think there's ever been any malice behind a phone getting slower when there's a new software version just because, like, it's demanding more of the phone. Like, that's kind of fair. But the fact that they actually made an effort this generation to um, improve responsiveness when opening applications and how quickly the keyboard appears and a lot of stuff like that, like, I think that's I think that's a very welcome and and it's that's a smart and charitable move. I like, can't think of a better word, but you know, it's 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 good that they do that.
1: Yeah, I agreed. In in my experience, it's run really well on both my iPhone X and iPad Pro.
0: And that's always been one. That's been uh, it's not the Ryan Doctrine, but it's the oh, it's the it's the Ryan uh, Paris Treaty, where you've always said that um. Uh, you you uh, your excuse for buying the latest phone is because they make iOS uh, run the best on it or something like that.
1: Yeah, which uh, you know will will still be true this year, but the the difference is, um, I mean it's either either the difference is smaller or it's the kind of the the you know slower version, um, meaning iOS running on an older phone is not you know quite as bad. Yeah. Um so do you
0: uh actually we'll 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 do a coin toss here. Like do you want uh to talk about podcasts? Uh actually we didn't talk about Apple Watch. So actually let me go first. Uh with uh, related to iOS 12, uh CarPlay now supports mm. third-party uh mapping applications. And currently I believe that means only Google Maps. Um because I don't know if MapQuest is still a thing.
1: Uh one well, uh, I guess there's a beta version of Waze that's out there that supports CarPlay now. So,
0: I am so happy. I, I uh, this is, this is your white whale. <laughs> G- good memory. Because mm-hmm. um, I think actually you've been in a car a couple times where it, where just Apple Maps will just do something bizarre and 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 weird and it's very disappointing. And the,
1: the fact that you've put up with like your navigation setup in your car. I mean, you have a very very nice car otherwise, but your navigation setup has been.
0: No, it's totally fine. So th- here's the thing. So Apple Maps is fine 80% of the time. It's, this is a really weird qualifier. And again, this goes back to the fact where I will always push back on whenever certain people will say, "Oh, yeah, well, Apple Maps is great in Northern California or Apple's backyard." No, it's not. It's garbage here too. Like it 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 really is. Like you you can be in Redwood City or right in Apple's backyard and it it gets you lost or takes like the dumbest turns. But um, Apple Maps is not that horrible. And the fact that it's integrated with Siri and had really good integration into like the na- like the um, infotainment screen or whatever in the center console, like th- th- that was a worthwhile thing where it made sense. If there was any place that I was, um, I guess I would say that I would be comfortable using Apple Maps if I had more than 10 minutes of cushion, where if I ever needed to be any place on time. I would do a very unsafe thing where uh, I would run Google Maps on a phone that would have zero display on the the car's infotainment screen, and I would just have to look down like at the shifter where my phone was, and that seemed unsafe. But if I needed to be somewhere on time,
1: I would only trust uh, Mrs. Google Maps. So the, the CarPlay um, integration, based on what you said offline today, sounds like it's it's pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty great. It's a little rough around the edges. Like some like, it, it's, it's
0: very, the, the, like the video and the map, like input, like it's very smooth and it's very nice. Um, there's some things like, uh, the back button doesn't work like the hardware back button on the car. Like there's still a back button thing on screen, but like it it's, it's not, doesn't have a hundred percent polish to it, but it's, it's pretty great. The bummer is that you can't use Siri. You can't just say, hey, Siri, navigate using Google Maps or something like that. It's still going to default to the um, Apple Maps application. And I I lied, or I was incorrect when I said I thought I hacked a Siri or cobbled together a Siri shortcut to make it work. Um, that works when you're not plugged into CarPlay, but if you are plugged in, it it says there's a problem running your shortcuts. So that uh, see, work.
1: that's that I was just gonna say that one of the things that I noticed when I was poking around in the Shortcuts app is there's a command in the Maps app where you can actually specify mm-hmm. which application you want to open a command in. Oh, that's that's too yeah. bad. So I tried building it two ways. One of which allowed you to do
0: like a dictate text with Siri or type in text, and neither of uh, neither of those work on CarPlay. It would just say there's a problem running it. Hmm. So that's that's a bummer, but like it's not terrible to to get it going because you can always just say you can either open the application or you can say hey Siri open Google Maps, and then one of the first two options inside the Google Maps CarPlay app is um, Google's in-house voice recognition system. So it's still totally doable. It's just not like a one sentence thing. Got it. But anyway, like I I am I I am literally so happy. Very like it it, it this is tangibly one of the best things that could have happened.
1: Yeah, no, I mean that's that's awesome. Um, you know, uh Tesla's navigation system uses Google Maps and it's that's been great to have since I've gotten my new car. Cause yeah, once you once you start using Google Maps, it's kind of tough to go back to. Like, I I totally get that Apple Maps has gotten like better than it used to be, and you know we've talked about Waze plenty on the show. Uh, there's just no, nothing beats Google Maps.
0: Nope it's 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 pretty perfect. Um, what else was there? No, that's that's pretty much it. It's 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 pretty pretty good.
1: So that's kind of your that's your banner iOS 12 feature.
0: Yeah, so m- moving on to Siri Shortcuts. No, I'm kidding. So watchOS 5 also, also came out. So I, I had mentioned that it takes forever to install. But um, yeah, I was uh, reaching and couldn't really remember what was new in iOS 5. And then I think I asked you, and then you uh, chimed in very forcefully. <laughs> uh, the only <laughs> feature that matters of any product in the world is uh, what you will very excitedly talk about now.
1: Yeah, So so podcast support.
0: Which What's a podcast? So <laughs> like a
1: netcast. Exactly, yeah, exactly.
0: Do you need a podcatcher?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um God, where to, where to start with this? This is um You're so uh, this, excited. Uh, well I, I well, I'm I'm excited, but I'm also really disappointed. Um so <laughs> one of the scenarios that we walked through when this was first announced at WWDC earlier this year. And I think you even posed this hypothetical like directly to me mm-hmm. was, you know, it, it kind of wasn't clear from the initial presentation whether all of the the podcast features that were mentioned for watchOS 5 would be available to third party developers or whether it would be exclusive to Apple's native podcast app. And... You know it kind of seemed like it would be the latter because that's kind of how Apple music is on the apple watch like i don't I don't think applications like Spotify or Pandora can stream over cellular like Apple music can on the watch. you
0: can't even ask Siri to use Spotify so yeah God, yeah you know.
1: <laughs> right um so I had kind of resigned myself to thinking that a lot of the features that would be really key to making podcasts on the watch work. Like The the big two for me are cellular streaming and keeping your progress in sync between listening progress on the phone and on the watch. I kind of figured those would be exclusive to Apple's podcast app. But then as the summer went along, it, it kind of sounded like developers like Marco and others were really excited about the way that um, they were able to create Apple Watch applications of, like in Marco's case, Overcast. And right up until release day, like he continued to be really excited, and he had this big blog post about it. And I was immediately kind of just crestfallen by what he was excited about, uh, which is he does not have access. Him and all other third-party developers do not have access to cellular streaming which really then means you don't have any ability to sync progress between the phone and watch. But Marco got really excited and, you know, I, I, I'm sure he put in a lot of hard work and I obviously don't blame him because this is just the best he can do. Um, But, you know, he, he's created the solution where um, podcasts kind of sync in the background from the phone to the watch, but, and it kind of tries to do so like in a smart way. Um, but it's, it's still really, really painfully slow. It's, it's kind of unreliable, which, which Marco kind of admits to. Um, and it just, you know, it, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't solve the, the sync issue, like meaning progress between the two devices. And it also doesn't solve the situation where if a podcast comes out and you immediately want to listen to it on your watch, there there's no guarantee that it will have already synced from your phone to the watch. And if that hasn't happened yet, then you're going to be waiting, you know, 10 to 15 minutes for even a relatively short episode for that to happen. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's really, really cool that um, Apple's app is it's, it's exactly what you want it to be. It, the cellular streaming works super well. I've been really amazed at how well your progress syncs between devices. Like it, it, it seems rock solid from what I've used so far. Um, but it's it's just it's a bummer that it's you know only available through Apple's app. Um, so to kind of close this this whole monologue and to go back to the <laughs> where this started with the the hypothetical that you posed to me last June, which was. If these features were exclusive to Apple's app, would you start using or would I start using Apple's podcast app? And that's that's what I've been doing this week. I, I kind of, you know, brought in all of the shows that I had um, subscribed to and overcast and subscribed to them in the podcast app. Um, fortunately, the podcast app got a bunch of updates as part of iOS 12 um it's still not as good as overcast the the big thing it's missing is the ability to create playlists um so that's you know it's disappointing it doesn't have that but you know this is probably me just sort of justifying the switch but i don't i don't use a lot of what overcast has like i don't use any of the smart speed stuff um even the playlist stuff i i had some very just rudimentary playlists that i created um so overall i i don't feel like i'm i'm missing a ton by switching to the podcast app but i i do i do miss overcast a bit
0: yeah that's that's a bummer but that's also yeah i mean it it is uh, the most logical option like apple always errs on the side of conservatism whenever they open up whenever like they be less like they always introduce a product and are insanely restrictive with what they allow um any third party to do and then eventually they will open stuff up. And I think a lot of people actually were skeptical if they would ever give this much access, um, especially on a device as limited as the watch. But I, you yeah, know, I think that's kind of what we all thought would happen. Um, so yeah, that, that, that stinks. I mean, it's good that it exists, but it's, it, it, it kind of sucks that for a responsible developer, like I think, I like, think, I think Marco will, is probably one of the, like a, like a model developer who would play within the boundaries he's given. Um, and it sucks that that app won't work to the way he would want it to. But um, yeah, I mean, since um, podcasts on on the watch seems like a critical use for you or something that you've been dreaming about for four years. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do.
1: Yeah. And it, you know, it just the way that Marco and other third party developers have had to implement their solution, like it just, it just doesn't work. Like I, I tend to, to not be able to have your progress synced from your phone to the the watch and then just kind of hope that the episode that you want to listen to has already been synced to your watch it just that it just it breaks down so I, i know jason's been like really excited about it and specifically he's been really excited about marco's implementation which i mean power to him i guess um and like marco had said during his testing that like he never came across a situation where a podcast he wanted to listen to wasn't already synced to his watch so I, I don't know if I'm some weird edge case or what, but um, I think it's it's critical to be able to just instantly listen to any episode on your watch and not have to worry about whether it's been synced yet or not. And then also, if you had already started listening to that episode on your phone, you want that progress to carry over to your watch and vice versa. Like that's, you know, that's, the, that's sort of table stakes, as you would say. Uh, for for making podcasts on the watch work, um so it's a bummer that third parties don't have access to that stuff, at least not yet. But again, what makes this okay for now is Apple's implementation is excellent. It works I- exactly like you'd want it to. Does progress sync to iTunes? Uh, I don't know. I haven't opened iTunes other than editing the metadata on our episodes. <laughs> uh, in a while. Okay. Well, I'm glad you
0: kind of got what you wanted.
1: Yeah. So I'm, you know, I guess I'm sort of hopeful that watch OS six or something will bring more access to third party developers. But, um, again, like I kind of how I feel like with TiVo where I, I probably don't use 75% of the features that my TiVo has, I, I, again, don't just don't really do a lot of like power user stuff with overcast. So, um, I'm, I'm missing my ability to create some simple playlists by going to the podcast app. Um, but outside of that, you know, I'm not missing a ton. So before this, when was the last time you used the podcast app? I don't really think I ever had. I
0: guess like in my experience it's always been like even just to listen to a podcast like it's been laid out in a really really weird way and a really illogical way to listen to episodes like has that gotten any better
1: not really no like like it's
0: weird like it's it's difficult to discern whether or not you're actually subscribed to a podcast and to see what's actually downloaded like all that seemed really um uh opaque
1: yeah it's not it's not great it's not great um the, the the now playing screen is fine and, and looks looks a lot like Overcast. Um but no, yeah, the the way cause the, you you subscribe to shows, but then like your episodes are ones that you've added to your library. Yeah, and then Okay, there we go. That, when, I, you, I, when you add an episode to your library, you can then take the further step of downloading the episode. So you have like you have shows, and then you have episodes, and then you have downloaded episodes. Um, and so, the episodes that you've added to your library that you haven't yet downloaded, you can stream. Um, and that's kind of your only view. Again, you don't you don't have any other sort of organizational ability beyond that. Outside of Apple, I don't know if this is new or if it's always been there, but they have a like listen now. Page, which I guess is kind of their um attempt to come up with some kind of smart playlist. Although uh, from what I've seen from it so far, I, it's just kind of a to me seems like just kind of a random assortment of episodes that you've added to your library. But
0: nope you you, you reminded me exactly of what it was. It's it's that weird library function where it's it's super hard to discern whether you're in the store or you actually have something ready to play this minute. So yeah, that, that 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 fills in the gaps.
1: Yeah, but I mean, you you can have shows set up to just you know automatically download the latest episode and send you a notification when that like it, all the same stuff that any other player does. So you know, I I wish I was still using Overcast, but um, it's it is worth going to the podcast app to have the awesome watch integration um, that I've been wanting.
0: Uh, so before we move into Siri shortcuts, can we talk about some other cool WatchOS stuff and TVOS uh, TVOS stuff? Uh, yeah. So on WatchOS, when you are playing any type of media on your phone or on the watch itself, like please, please, Apple needs to give this person a bonus or like an extra ham at Christmas time. The now playing uh, app is a contextual, like persistent notification similar to the way like workouts have been at the top of the watch face. So you can always get to the now playing screen from your watch face if you're playing media and it's fantastic.
1: Yeah, that's really good. So
0: it's super good. And then also same thing for the, for workouts where that, um, that icon is there too. And if you just tap in like the top, like eighth of the screen, it automatically brings you to the, the open application. Um, do you use timers on your watch?
1: Oh yeah. All the time.
0: Have you used a one since uh Watch Watch 5 came out? Yes. Did they flip the stop and repeat buttons? Maybe. Because I use them I use timers on my watch probably ten times a day. And uh I'm consistently hitting the wrong button. So I'm pretty sure they flipped them. Hmm. And it's not really like I mean, that's not really a complaint. I accept it kind of is, but like I assume I'll get used to it, but I'm just I'm wondering if I'm crazy or not. Hmm. Um, but otherwise, yeah, watchOS 5 is, is, is fine. Uh, but yeah, that, that, that now playing thing is, is, is amazing. Cause for most of the time with my watch, I, even though I've uninstalled basically every application, that's not the default one and OmniFocus. Um, if you press the, like the, the lozenge sized button that used to be for, um, that funky friends thing. Uh, that, since it shows like three apps that you've used recently at once, like normally that covers the gamut of stuff I would ever want to interact with, which for me is usually the workouts app now playing and timers. And that's pretty much it.
1: Yeah. The, the now playing stuff is, is really good. Um, have you used the, um, new way to trigger, um, Siri? I,
0: so after I got a push notification telling me I qualified for another free trial of Apple Music, I also got a uh, a notification said you can just hold um, your watch up to your mouth and say whatever you want and don't have to say, hey Siri, and I've
1: tried it twice and it doesn't work. So no, I haven't. So that's been my experience too, which, you know, shouldn't be surprising, I guess, but has still been a little disappointing. I- I've gotten it to work a couple of times, but it's been really really unreliable um i'm i'm willing to bet that it's improved with the series 4 watch because it's got those Im- improved um motion sensors mm-hmm. um the gy- gyroscopes or or whatever sure. um But, but we'll, we'll see it's, it's, it's neat in concept, but if it's not something you can consistently rely upon, which I mean, it's, it's Siri. So I guess, why would you expect you to be able to, but, um, uh, but anyway, um, the other thing that's been amazing for me, and this is obviously very specific to me and not a, not a headlining feature of either watch OS five or iOS 12, but um long-time listeners will remember that I've been having this really really annoying bug in the the Messages app across all my devices where if I read a text message like on my Mac whereas before I wouldn't get any sort of notification on my other devices because it's a message I've already read I have been getting m- notifications to like my watch and phone Um, Even in cases where um, I've read a message, same with if I read a message on my phone, I'll like sometimes get a notification later on my Mac. And then even once I've read it on like my Mac or phone, the message will still show up as unread on whatever device I haven't read it on yet, which has been really annoying. And that's like one of the reasons I was so excited to install iOS 12 was I was thinking, okay, maybe this will resolve the issue. And I was talking with you offline when I installed iOS 12 and was still having the the issue that first afternoon. Um, but then something really interesting happened when I installed watchOS 5 later that day. And I've I've always kind of suspected it was something to do with the watch because it kind of seemed like in cases where. I had read a message before there was the opportunity to have the notification pushed to my watch that it, that everything would stay in sync. But then like once the message got to my watch, that's kind of where things then got out of sync. And then also that issue where I was mentioning, if I read a message on one device, it would stay unread on other devices that seemed to happen most often in cases where I was trying to read a message on my watch. Um, so what happened when I installed watchOS 5 was my watch, like, you know how you get that that notification when you add a new uh, Apple device to your iCloud account where it's like, hey, this device is now set up to use iMessage?
0: On every single computer you have.
1: <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, I got that notification for my watch after installing watchOS 5, like almost like it had re-registered itself with iCloud which is I did not get that notification when upgrading either my phone or iPad to iOS 12. It was, it was just when I upgraded the watch to watch OS five. And since I've done that, knock on wood, I has been totally fine and it's stayed in perfect sync across all my devices. So I don't, I don't know if like, again, like if, if my watch like re registered itself or something during the watch OS five upgrade process, but it's been great to have that working again well good
0: yeah yeah that that, that's yeah it seems like kind of a super annoying bug
1: um and then i guess maybe the last thing before we get into shortcuts um, and we'll have obviously lots more to talk about with this next week probably um but i i've decided that um i'm gonna do a a a clean install on my new iphone come friday Mm. same with the watch too so i'm not not going to restore from a backup, which is what I've done for years and years and years and years. Um, but I've, I've been having enough issues with my phone, which are probably not anything to do with the fact that I've been restoring from backups, but I don't know. I just just want a, a clean slate this this go around. It's also going to be an opportunity to you know get rid of a bunch of apps I'm not using anymore um, so do
0: you care about your text message history?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Can I give you a warning on that then?
0: So I'll I'll give a quick... I've been having an issue with like... Since uh, iOS 11, 11 11.4 came out, um, I was super all in on iMessage in the Cloud or iMessage Match or whatever it's actually called. And it wasn't working for me at all. And with iOS 12, I was hoping that it would work better. And it kind of is. So my iPhone was like the canonical... like device of record for all my text messages. And when I tried it on iOS 11.4, it did not populate to my other devices properly. There were chunks of missing messages and stuff like that. So I tried it one more time with iOS 12, and I deleted all the text message threads on my iPad after having turned off iMessage match. And I turned it back on. And now it works. But My iPad only has text message history up until the moment I turned on iMessage match on my phone. So if you care about your text message history, I would maybe strongly discourage that unless you only want your history up through like June.
1: Well, so here's the thing. So I'm going to make a backup of my phone, you know, right before I um, set up the new phone and i'm going to set up the new phone and you know make sure everything's there and if it's not then you know i'll go down the restoring the backup route so i'm not i'm not going to immediately wipe my my current phone
0: oh okay i guess uh, sorry well I, I'm, I'm forgetting that you're not doing an immediate exchange transaction where the Apple store is gonna pry your iPhone 10 from your cold dead hands or no
1: it, exactly you know they've, they've set it up now where they just provide you a box and I think you've got a week or two to ship it back
0: okay that seems fair I wish you the best of luck I hope it works but
1: <laughs> I mean I just you know I've I'm sure I we've gone down that rabbit hole a couple of times on the show um, the 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 restoring of, of uh, backup is not a smooth process it's you know like i've had the issue the last couple years where the um, new phone wasn't running the latest version of ios so you have to Install that first, and then restore the backup. It just—it's kind of a kind of a mess. Well, so that's gotten
0: better, I think, as of eleven point two, where the phone will know that uh, you are running a newer version of iOS on your previous device, and as part of the onboarding flow, will
1: update it for you. So they—they've they've hammered that out. But well, it's—but I—I i, I, I could have. Well, I guess so. iOS eleven point. Okay, so yeah, the last year it wouldn't have been there. But yes. Yeah, so they—they—they
0: so they, they fixed that. But no, you're you're totally right. Where some of it's weird, and also. There are seemingly a lot of issues with two-factor authentication unless your device like unless you have an iOS device that's powered on connected to Wi-Fi. Yeah, I know that that's that's super suspect,
1: but Yeah.
0: All right, Siri shortcuts. Mhm. You this this you, you are this this podcast's Federico Vatici, So this this is all <laughs> you.
1: Um well, I, that's definitely not true at all. Um, I I've put you a copy of your iPad <laughs> yeah. Uh I I've put a copy of his excellent iOS 12 review in the notes. Um where to start with Shortcuts? That's another topic that's hard to even figure out where to start. Um my initial like high-level impression is I I I have the same feeling I had when it was first announced, which is I just I kind of can't believe this app exists. It's completely un-Apple-like in so many ways. Um, You know, Apple is all about tightly controlled experiences where particularly their software typically will do a little bit less. But what it does, well, at least until more recent years, it does really well. And Apple kind of prides itself in making those decisions for you and not not really exposing many options to the end user in, in an effort to keep the user experience simple and i mean shortcuts could could not be more in the opposite direction where the sky is kind of the limit with customization and you know having used it for the last couple of days like it's 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 almost like coding in some ways i mean obviously not nearly mm-hmm. as complex as an actual um language but and there are lots and lots of commands where you're passing variables from one action to another, having an app return a value, which you then send to another. I mean, it's just, it's, um, it's, it's, yeah, it's just, it's a, I'm, I'm really surprised this, this app exists.
0: It's, it's like a hybrid of, uh, OS X's automator and kind of, um, what's, what's that other thing? Um, a, a Swift playgrounds, like so, like it, it, yeah, it, it's surprisingly true to what Workflow was before. Also, which is a product that was really inspired for a specific type of user, uh, user group. But it's also just like that's why it was so surprising when Apple acquired Workflow and continued to keep it in the App Store. People were like, "Okay, that's kind of weird." And then when people lost their minds when they announced it at WWDC. In its form, where it was pretty much workflow, just with a lot of deep system level hooks and APIs and stuff like that, where it's just, it seemed insanely un-Apple-like in the fact that it's a very powerful tool that was blessed by a very, as we talk about the podcast stuff, like a, a company that's generally very, very restrictive on what software can do. So people were were shocked and 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 very pleased that it was the case. So yeah, so it seems like a kind of apple-ish thing to do, but also a terribly un-Apple-ish thing to do.
1: So maybe one thing to clarify before we get more into the, the weeds, is as you would say here. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so we've been using the phrases just shortcuts and Siri shortcuts kind of interchangeably, which is kind of how I understood this to work before playing around the last couple of days with it. But it's it's actually a little different than that. So we we already talked about the fact that shortcuts is an app that you have to download from the app store. It's not something that's really built into the OS. So when you're building a shortcut in the shortcuts app, you have the ability to assign it a Siri command. And that, that command can be basically any sort of phrase you want it to be like you literally just record the phrase into your phone. And that's that's the kind of Siri trigger word for that shortcut. But separately from that, if you just go into the settings app on your phone and you go into Siri, you have the ability to directly create Siri-like or shortcut-like commands directly within the Siri settings page. And you could, you could, as far as I know, I guess I haven't explicitly tried this, but it seems like you could do that even without having the shortcuts app installed. So, and it, you know, the, the commands you can issue there are, are quite a bit more limited than what you can do having the shortcuts app. But, um, it's, it's strange where like, after you've assigned a a shortcut that you've created in the shortcuts app, a Siri command, you've effectively created a Siri shortcut. And so that shortcut kind of then lives both in the Siri settings page and in the shortcuts app. But then you can separately create these Siri commands that I don't think then like in any way, kind of, like sync over to the shortcuts app or anything. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's a little disjointed and ultimately maybe it doesn't really matter. Cause when, once you set this stuff up, it like, regardless of like where it was created and where it lives, it, you're triggering it all with your voice. So it's kind of whatever, but it, I don't know. It's a little strange. So I've thought about it a little bit, and I think it actually kind of does make sense
0: where if it's weird that the Siri shortcuts thing lives inside of the settings app, which you would expect most people not to spend a lot of time in. But the examples that are given inside of the settings app are much more um, like traditional type of things that you want to do on your phone, whereas it seems like the shortcuts app is for people who want to tinker and, and, and do that kind of more advanced stuff. So I think it kind of actually does make sense where I'm not sure how they would have reconciled um, shortcuts slash workflow being a really rich and um, powerful application and um, making it accessible and allowing you to maybe give like a friendly voice command to like uh, going to your home address or something. Because like if you look at like whenever you go to... um, settings and then Siri and then uh, what's it called uh, all shortcuts like it is suggesting you just play a specific Pandora station like that's a very straightforward action whereas shortcuts seems like more like a automator style string your own like write your own adventure type thing so I get why they're distinct things I'm not sure either like I think the discover discoverability of burying it in the settings app is
1: probably not great, but um, I, I kind of see why they did it. Yeah, one thing I was reminded of after having upgraded to iOS 12, I've you know, been spending more time in, in the settings page just discovering things and tweaking things, is I had forgotten that Apple added a search functionality to the settings page. Like, that's how busy it's gotten. Um, it's it's really handy to have, but it it speaks to yeah just how completely overwhelming the settings apps become like remember on the original iphone like how simple the settings page was and now it's 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 crazy
0: yeah but less more complicated now that's that's true mm-hmm. Understanding um, in the decade <laughs> so yeah like so what what
1: have you done with it so yeah so i guess yeah let's get into this so i think actually i mean you um i think wrongly attributed. This to being me, like to me being the expert here. But I, I would actually think that this is like the type of thing that you would come up with, like some really creative stuff that you would then teach me about. This seems, this seems much more like a you thing than a me thing.
0: It normally would be, but I really don't like Siri.
1: So, well, but so the thing is, but so here's the thing, though, right? Is you don't you if you're creating the if you're creating the shortcuts in in short the shortcuts app, you don't have to. You don't even have to give it a Siri command, and instead, you can just press a. A shortcut button from the shortcut widget to kick off the workflow
0: yeah so like let, let's put a pin in that for one second like like actually this brings up something that you reminded me earlier this week it's like like you asked the question why does this exist like this seems like a super un apple like thing and i forgot about this like this is an observation i think we both discussed around wwdc time which is this product exists to fill in the gaps of siri being so bad where apple doesn't have to do the hard work, and I don't mean that in a bad way. But where they can put the onus of uh, customizing all the stuff and letting it be as fiddly as they want on app developers and the end user, because like Siri itself has not gotten any better. You can't really say, "Hey Siri, play Taylor Taylor Twa- Taylor Swift's latest album on Spotify." It'll get mad at you and it'll it'll ask you if you want to sign up for Apple Music. No, I don't, and siri isn't getting any better so the fact that they were able to sh- to acquire a company like workflow and preserve a fairly complex product to their credit and just shoehorn a bunch of um api hooks and uh, blessed siri integration like is a brilliant move because it placates the advanced user audience and like it- it gets everybody off their back. Like it's, it's it's so, so smart. Um, because like no matter how, like, and that's the same thing with like the echo and like all these other voices and things where people are like, Oh yeah, it's, it's, it's way better than Siri, but it doesn't do X. Well, now Apple has given you a tool that does almost everything you could possibly ever want it to. uh, And they can just be like, yeah, we enabled that. Even though you're the one creating all these fiddly steps to make it work, like it, it it's it's fucking brilliant. I I'm I'm so so shocked and proud of them.
1: Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, go ahead. Oh, I yeah, I, I I mostly agree. I mostly agree with that. Um, what what do you what do you what are your qualms? Well, it it, it so I guess the the biggest thing is when in the shortcuts app there's a gallery. And I, I think there's also a way that you can, like, share shortcuts with people and then they can then yeah. download them. So it's On not... On Upgrade, they had said there's, like, a, there's some website where you can...
0: Because the gallery is only going to show, like, super basic Apple Plus stuff where you can post all your wacky ones to some other website.
1: Yeah. So, I you know, it's... Um, I think if if Apple didn't have that gallery and didn't give you a way of, like, sharing these, then I would be... A little bit more into the idea of like they really have just like said they've given you these like tools and said good luck, and I I do agree that's mostly what they've done. But there there is some like with the series suggestion stuff and with the shortcuts gallery, like they they are still kind of assisting you some. But but I I do mostly agree with what you're saying.
0: Well yeah, like and and they're they're giving you like in this but the thing is if you remember, I don't remember if you were somebody who used Workflow when it was originally out, like this is just so insanely similar to what already existed. Um where Workflow is actually pretty good at giving you examples of like wacky stuff that you could do and this was all based off of um one of the first things, I forget, it was InstaPaper and some other app. Like it instituted the um what's called the uh, the x callback api where you could have like these funky um internal local host uh, style uh, urls that allowed uh, that allowed apps to communicate with each other and that's mostly what this still is so i mean i think like there was just so much that was right and smart about the original workflow app that uh became what this is today so yeah so good on apple But in terms of me using this, no, not really. Just because like, yeah, I don't, I don't like Siri and I don't like, like what what I will give Apple credit for or what what I think I might use, but I haven't just had the time or energy to go into it is that you can, um, because like things, I don't think I would use most of these by voice. Like, even though it seems right in my wheelhouse to order my morning, uh, Silk and Splendor from Phil's using the app. Like, I, I'm not actually going to do that by voice, because that's, that, that's that's a little weird. But you can also, any shortcut that you make, you can easily add it as a home screen icon and make it a little shortcut that you can run from there. You can run it from the, um, is it called the Today Screen? Like, what's the little widget thing? Like, you can, you can run it from there, too. Right. So they give you a lot of different choices. So the scripting ability, like, I'm super happy it's there. I just don't think, like, the, the Siri part of Siri Shortcuts... Is not something I would use, and that's and that's to no fault of Apple. It's just it's me personally. I I, I don't it. I I just won't use it.
1: Yeah, I I yeah I, I I agree with that, and I I think them allowing you to kick off shortcuts with home screen apps or through the the today widget is great. Like if it didn't have that and you had to do everything by voice, that would be super annoying. Um, this the Siri stuff isn't like kicking a shortcut off with Siri isn't really what um, has given me any kind of pause where I've gotten hung up so far is like, this is the same reason why, like I, when I took a computer science class in high school, like thinking I wanted to become a programmer, why that didn't pan out. It's just like my, like my mind just doesn't work that way. Um, Like again, like, Passing variables around, like they just, I, I, you know, I I like to think that I have certain strengths in life, but like that's just not one of them. Like nothing made me feel dumber than trying to learn Java in high school. Um, so it's so far, and I I thought Jason did a good job of pointing this out on Upgrade, which is, you know, you there is a certain amount of kind of stick to itness that you have to have to to really learn it. Um, which, you know, I just given kind of the limited amount of time I seem to have each day, like I'm not going to sit there for two or three hours and fiddle around with stuff as much as I would kind of like to, um, I'm just not going to be able to hop in there quickly and create a bunch of cool stuff without like having to really, really think about it. Cause again, my, my brain just doesn't work that way. Um, so what, what I've done so far has been pretty simple. Like I, I put together a um, just a good night command, which or sh shortcut workflow, whatever, that um, kicks off a home kit scene, which turns off all the smart lights in the house. It turns on do not disturb until the next morning and opens the podcast app since I listen to podcasts going to sleep.
0: Do you still use sheep phones or do you have used the phone speaker?
1: I use the the sheep phones. Hmm. So, you know, that that it works pretty well. It's kind of kind of neat. Um, it doesn't necessarily like save me a, a like ton of time or anything. But, and you know, know. Are, you, are you activating this by voice or are you doing it by shortcut? I mean, it's only been one night, but last <laughs> night uh, for for demo sake, I did do it by voice. Wait, demo sake? You were performing, or yeah, you just... I showed it. I showed it to the lady friend. Yeah. Um. Uh. Oh, which, by the way, <laughs> trying to like trying to explain sh- uh, shortcuts to, I mean, even I feel like talking about it between us, we're we're kind of stumbling over a lot of stuff. Um, oh, I'm doing great. <laughs> trying to tell someone else about shortcuts is like it's kind of tough. Um, but anyway, so, um, you know, I mean the, for me before, like to do what I just described, like I have a, I have that, um, tap switch that Philips you tap switch next to my bed. So, you know, I already have a button program there that turns off all the lights. I can then obviously turn on, do not disturb on my phone and then just open the podcast app. But it, it is kind of neat to be able to issue one command to do all three of those things. And then there's also like the added benefit of the fact that the shortcut then automatically turns off. Do not disturb at a, at a designated time the next day. So I don't have to remember to turn it off when I wake up the next day. Um, so it's, you know, it, it, I could, I could see the potential there, but again, like for me, it's just, it's kind of a time thing where like, I don't know if I want to like invest a ton of time in making like really complex shortcuts. Like the, 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 the only other one I've really used so far is I created a meditation one because, uh, Headspace actually just rolled out an update to their app, which introduces shortcut support. So there's a command that you can embed in a shortcut that will automatically kick off the, um, Headspace today, um, listening session, which is the one that I typically do. So I just have a workflow now where, you know, you tap the meditation button it automatically turns on Do Not Disturb on the phone for ten minutes, um, which is something I would frequently forget to do. I would forget to put on Do Not Disturb before then doing the Headspace um, practice for the day. Um, so you know, again, being able to do that's automatically is kind of nice. So, uh,
0: yeah. So that's yeah, that's pretty cool. So sorry, two two quick follow up questions that are, that are vaguely related. Do you schedule do not disturb on your phone from any specific times or do you manually enable it every day?
1: Well, I I manually enable it every day because like scheduling it does just doesn't really make any sense to me cuz I'm not mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not on that strict of a schedule. So I, I like having it from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. every day just there's just too many nights and mornings where I'm not quite on that schedule. Hmm. Okay. And then also um like like are like, like like are you? Like do you have it scheduled?
0: Yeah, but I also I I don't mind not hearing from people. Um so I have it from 10:30 to 7.
1: So you just even if you're awake past 10:30, you just you just have it on.
0: And yeah, nobody needs to call me. I have the thing on where if you call me twice, it'll it'll go through, so whatever.
1: Got it. Yeah.
0: And then secondly, um knock
1: knock. Who's
2: there?
0: Java.
1: Java who?
0: No, that's a joke because Java is a very, very slow programming language. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's a callback to a few minutes ago. Got it. Uh, it's a very, very funny joke to mm, computer mm-hmm, science people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you can tell tell people that in, in addition to saying the words React Native and people think you know what's up with computer programming. <laughs> <laughs> Try it on Troy, I'm sure he'll know. Uh, he probably would um t- t- okay so yeah so uh, shortcuts we'll we'll see how it goes um i think if yeah again if anything i'll use it in the um basically just as a more um like anointed uh workflow style app but right now i don't see a whole lot of stuff that i would want to automate just because i don't use os or what's called ios for productivity stuff where well, i can't think of enough stuff i want to shoehorn together Um. That's going to make a meaningful difference to me.
1: Yeah. And I guess the other um, piece to this too is um, when I'm around the house, I'm already using Amazon's Lady in a Can mm-hmm. for most, not only voice stuff, but I would really like also roll up like automation type stuff. Cause you know, it's it now, you know, for a while now has had its routines functionality, which is basically like shortcuts. Mm-hmm. So um you know it i i've already kind of got a lot of the around the house stuff covered on a different platform so but again nonetheless really really cool and it, it is something that i'm interested in in reading more about and learning more about like at some point i really do want to read uh, federico's entire uh, shortcuts chapter in his iOS 12 review uh, but again, it it goes back to what I was saying about the shortcuts app in general. It's just, it's, it's a, it's a time thing where it's, just, you, you really seem seemingly you have to invest a lot of time into the app to, to get a lot out of it.
0: Yeah. And, and I don't want to say this, I, like, I, I want to say this delicately, but like for people like uh, Federico and, um, and some others who make like their living off of talking about Apple stuff, like you, you can, you could say that like spending six hours, like just messing around with shortcuts is, is, is your work. And like, it totally is but i think for a lot of other people like that amount of um uh like tinkering time is 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 tricky where they might need a lot of like pre-made stuff or like proof of concept before they'll want to do a whole bunch of stuff with it and i appreciate those like first movers who are willing to do that kind of stuff but right now it's it that's it's kind of a tough sell right yeah um and then also you can put a note or a link into the thing of i think uh david sparks the um uh the guy who did a great course on how to use Omnifocus and kind of how it relates to GTD also has like a video course that you can buy for um an introduction to Siri shortcuts.
1: Yeah, so that that's another um another thing I would love to do, but it's just, you know, you got to have the you got to invest a little bit of time to to go through his entire field guide. Mhm. Um anything else on shortcuts? Did I just hear a dog? Uh huh.
0: Oh, a little guy. Yeah. Actually, a big guy.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah, listeners. Listeners probably won't be able to hear that with all the fancy post processing we do here, but yeah, Branson is uh. Well, not really sure what's going on out there, but
0: <laughs> he's letting you know it's ten thirty. Yeah. That's that's what dogs are for.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Who needs who needs shortcuts?
0: <laughs> yeah. Just just. Say hey, say, hey, 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 Siri or hey, hey, Brian, and they'll, they'll yeah. do whatever our
1: command you want. Hey, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Actually, hey Bran, you know, ro- he, hey, uh, Brian, roll over. He might be more reliable than Siri is. They Ooh. got him. Uh, uh, anyway. Um,
0: <laughs> last thing on Siri, uh, you can, I don't know if this is new with iOS 12, but I now put my, um, my Siri as a Irish lady. And it's, it's great.
1: Oh, yeah. I, um, they're different the- languages
0: now. And yeah, there's South, uh, there's South African, there's Australian. Um, British and one other dialect in addition to just like standard like North America uh English.
1: Yeah, it's another it's pretty thing. Cool. It's another thing that I know they Apple had added a while back. At least some of these voices, but I had kind of forgotten about. But the the lady friend's mom had the um the British man's voice on, and I was like, oh, like I heard it the other day, and was like, oh yeah, that's that's kind of cool. British guy is very very popular. Well, I mean, with with good reason. It's a it's a very very nice voice. Yeah, he's very pleasing. Yeah. Um. So the the other <laughs> kind of constable Siri, <laughs> right? Um. The only other kind of random um random thing that's happened with me since upgrading to iOS twelve, and you and I both had this exact same thing happen where when we were digging around in the settings page, we we both were reminded that we had True Tone turned off, um, which if I remember, if I remember that correctly to when I first got my iPhone X, we talked about this on the show where I just, I found True Tone to just not be very good on the iPhone X. Like the screen in many situations just looked way too yellow, almost like night shift. Um, which was kind of disappointing because I've had True Tone turned on since day one on my iPad Pro and I generally find that to work really well. Um, but, you know, just for fun, I turned True Tone back on um, a couple of days ago. And I've been kind of just... I just left it on. I i think I kind of like it on my phone now. Th- there are still some situations where the screen's a little too warm for my taste. But there are also a lot of other situations where the screen does seem to look a little bit better. So I, I don't know if Apple's tweaked... The software around True Tone at all since I got this phone a year ago, but or if just just my preferences have changed, I I, I don't know, but I've I've actually generally liked it.
0: Yes, yeah, so it's the same thing. Um, where I think when I originally got the iPhone eight, I had it uh enabled, and somehow on iOS twelve, when I was rummaging around the settings, it it was off. Yeah, I turned it back on, and it's still on, but it's it's very yellow, and I um. It's weird that night shift has a setting for how intense it is, where uh, true tone doesn't. Yeah, but um, yeah, I think it's like so, so. the yellow is more pleasing. I don't buy into any of like the of the like um, voodoo nonsense about blue light prevents you from sleeping or any of that kind of stuff. But I, I I do agree that the yellow cast going back to your hospital light thing that we were talking about at the very start of the show. Like it is more pleasing, but like I think I'm gonna turn it off just because, like it, as somebody who is very attuned to color temperature for like photographs and stuff like that, I I I don't like it.
1: Yeah, I yeah, that's that's well said. Um, and I think where it really breaks down some too is if you're bouncing back and forth between a true tone screen versus a non true tone screen. Which, of course, like I'm doing all day when I'm like at work where neither my Mac or the external monitor it's hooked up to support True Tone. Um, So I think I think it works a lot better if all you're looking at are True Tone screens. But if you're if you're going between a device that supports it and a device that doesn't that I think that's where it, it breaks down a bit, too.
0: No, that's exactly right. Where you're just like, like, why, why is my Mac so blue?
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Um. And also, you made the point when we were discussing this, um, online, offline, where, uh, like, I think we both have it on on our iPads, and it feels, or or perceptively, it's it's less dramatic.
1: No, definitely. That, that's yeah. That that's that's what I was saying with you know why it was so disappointing on the phone was when the iPhone X was announced. I was like really excited they were bringing it to the phone because i really liked it on the ipad and still do like it on the ipad um but the ipad screen just doesn't seem to get nearly as warm like it, it put a different way if you, if you have the ipad and an iphone 10 side by side in the same lighting condition and you have true tone enabled on both devices the iphone 10 screen generally looks a lot warmer than the ipad screen does um and i i think i'm generally someone who would probably prefer a cooler more bluish screen than a more yellowish screen um but again with all that being said i've left it on my phone the last couple of days and i've mostly liked it there there've been one or two times where i'm like i should turn this thing back off the screen's too warm but mostly it's been been pretty good and i think i'm going to try leaving it on the new phone on friday and seeing how I like it on that on that phone because that is, that is something that does happen every year is apple's always tweaking the uh, color temperature of their screens it's like you always get reports every year of like people who think that their screen's broken because it's too yellow or whatever but it most of the time it's just apples you know they just kind of just tweak that each year can I
0: uh throw something on the tracks to to stop the train wasn't that you last year where you literally exchanged a phone because you thought
1: your phone was broken it was a a couple of years ago yeah with the iphone 7 yeah i i had i had although i i think my phone was because again like (laughs) as i'm sure i exhaustively explained on the show like you could i brought my phone into the apple store and it's like you've had my phone next to a demo unit and it was it was pretty dramatically different and I mean that true tone, or I mean that none of that was even a factor then. So, yeah.
0: Um. So I think that rounds it out for iOS 12. We will end up talking about screen time and related subjects next week because yes. we're running long. But um, before we get into Better Call Saul, real quick, I want to throw it in here because timely news seems to be uh, slipping by us in recent weeks. Uh, Amazon is considering opening up to three thousand Amazon Go stores by 2021. And we still have not been to one, which seems disappointing.
1: Yeah, I really want to check one of these out. There there's one coming to San Francisco, Francisco, right?
0: Yeah, where where is it? You, you need, told me about you that need like, square, six months I ago. think, right? Wasn't yeah, get, it? Gotta get on that. Yeah. I gotta go back to Seattle just to see it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh
0: I think I can expense it. Yeah, maybe. Um okay. Better call Saul? Let's do it. So episodes six and seven. This covers I forget. Oh, actually, oh, last week was the pinata thing, mm-hmm. and then Jesus.
1: Uh, and then this week, uh, yeah. So you're better at recaps. So what's up? Well, so we um, we got our kind of first big jump in time. Um, oh yeah,
0: like nine months passed.
1: Yeah. So the the show. So I was reading a uh, recap of this most recent episode, which I'll, I'll try to find and put in the notes. But you know, the show was explaining that. Better Call Saul starts roughly five years before Breaking Bad starts, and up until the flash forward at the beginning of this week's episode, we had only gone about 20 months forward in time, which would mean that we were still like over three years away from um, kind of catching up to the Breaking Bad timeline. Um, so I, I hadn't thought about any of this until, you know, after this week's episode and after reading this recap. But, you know, it, it's it's now obvious in hindsight that, yeah, at some point, you know, unless this was going to be like a nine season show, which I don't think it's going to be like at some point they had to make some jump in time. Um, So they they did and they, they did so in a really, really creative way. I, I thought that montage was super well done. Um, I I was, was really, was really impressed with that. Um, and I think it also kind of achieved something else too, other than just the simple step forward in time, which is further reiterating that it wasn't like Jimmy just became Saul Goodman one day. It wasn't like he woke up one morning and was like, okay, now I'm Saul Goodman. Like, or it wasn't like some life event that immediately triggered that. Like it's, it's kind of something that's, like, always been inside of him, and he's sort of slowly embracing more of that side of himself.
0: Yeah, in that montage, you could also see—so, yeah, so there's that, and also you could see that there's a, a uh, more distance and a separation between him and Kim throughout all the morning routines that they show. So, yeah, so, like, it, it was a really effective way to illustrate the passage of time. And also kinda of ease into that type of thing. Like we saw, I think, a season and a half ago where was it like the commercial he filmed with the the college kids? Right. Where he first used the term or the the pseudonym Saul. Right. Yeah. So there's that, but also it's it's been um slowly moving in where his new business cards of him being kind of the the shady uh burner phone peddler and, and stuff like that. And um as <laughs> as Kim's uh colleague put it uh disbarred scumbag lawyer what was it yeah yeah that's a little little rough uh but yeah pork yeah I want to jump ahead but yeah poor Kim this episode
1: um and you know the the time the jump in time also was beneficial to the Gus Hector storyline and the Gus um Mike storyline where you know, you you brought up the point last week, which was, or a couple of weeks ago, where you know you're like you're really curious to see like where this um, excavation of the meth lab goes, like where that storyline goes, and it wasn't going to be possible to kind of see anything interesting there unless there was this leap forward in time, like unless we're just going to like literally watch them construct it, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I the same thing with like Hector where you know we obviously know kind of where he ends up in breaking bad but um presumably that transition was going to take some time and so by going by leaping forward in time we've now been able to to see that that transition happen so the the leap forward in time was just it was beneficial on all fronts
0: well so so we're we're jumping ahead a little bit like what what happened last week
1: well so last week the the big takeaway was that um that last scene which was you know so a few weeks ago, Jimmy had gotten mugged by those kids when he was first oh, selling yeah. his his phones on the street. Um, And, you know, he had, had been having a lot of success doing that. So he wanted to continue selling the phones. And so the way that he decided to make sure that he wasn't um robbed by these kids again was to basically scare the living shit out of them. Um, which was... Job well done. Which was, yeah, not only a really... It's, it was a very graphic scene. It was kind of hard to watch. Um, eh. I mean, it you know, obviously didn't didn't really go... There was no violence or anything, ultimately. But it was kind of tense there for well, a little that's, while. that's
0: the best kind. There's so... That's, so that's the thing where I will... And it, it and Breaking Bad and, and Better Call Saul are on the border for me with this kind of stuff. But there's so much of that stuff that you can tell without actually being like ex- excessively graphic about it. And and Better Call Saul does that with a plum with with the way they they manage tension and that kind of stuff on it. And also makes uh, Saul Goodman terrifying shit. Yeah.
1: Um. So the I mean the other purpose that scene served seemed to be that that was the first time that we saw Huel right.
0: No, we've seen him a couple times. Have we?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, he's been his muscle for a little bit, but no, it's good. And he's he was a central point of the episode where um that's where we're maybe concerned off the cliffhanger of this episode of whether or not uh Kim maybe does something uh silly just because she uh uh she loves Jimmy instead of maybe doing the the wiser thing. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um what else happened last week. So yeah, so um so there's the the Gus stuff which is surprisingly interesting and yeah you you're right I didn't actually didn't put that together of why the the time jump actually makes the um Hector Salamanca storyline actually functional now and then gives um Gus somewhere to go with that. But also yeah the the Mike stuff with uh, building the building lab is 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 pretty interesting and I'm, and I'm I'm curious as to where that goes with the one agitator or or less than cooperative guy that seems to be potentially throwing a wrench into things mm-hmm. yeah
1: yeah that i mean the project is almost it sounds like it's taking like basically twice as long as they thought it was going to well
0: because yeah the soup the super techie guy who didn't get the job it like estimated six months and the, the uh more old school german dude was like six to eight and apparently it's gonna be like another six right so, yeah but it's good, man. Is it, uh, is this a ten episode season? Have we looked this up? I assume so. I think they've
1: they've all been so far. Um, it is. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And are you? I, are you? Three, we got three more. Are you kind of getting the sense that next season might be the last? Um, I don't know. Probably. Or like they might do the. They'll break it up into kind of oh, two no. halves, kind of thing.
0: Oh, you're, you're gonna need AMC premiere to to watch it. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, I I hope not, but maybe. But if that's what it takes to get us like, thirteen or fourteen episodes instead of ten, maybe maybe I'll take it. Yeah, that's true. Um, not that I'll really have a choice, but um, yeah, it's it's getting pretty far along, um, and and you don't ever see Kim in uh, Breaking Bad, so yeah, kind of kind of interested to see where the, where that finally um resolves itself.
1: It seems like I mean, obviously, like what I've brought up before is. Yeah, worrying that like something really bad is going to happen to Kim. And it, no, it seems like it, what's more likely is it's, it it's just them realizing over time that they're just not, not really compatible with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and that this, this episode more than any other seemed to really emphasize that.
0: Yeah. You tell him, Bran. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's worried about Nacho as well.
1: That's right. Yeah, well, so that that was actually another so it's a Rolling Stone uh, article that I that I put in the notes here that they they do some really good recaps each week. Um overall thought like this week's episode was was excellent, it, particularly praising that opening montage. But yeah, brought up the point that like Nacho's storyline has been really fascinating this season. And like he hasn't been like in the last 3 episodes. Like they basically just <laughs> like completely yeah, like cut his character out, which is strange.
0: Yeah, I, I assume he'll come back because they they've been using him pretty effectively. But I think just with um, like the turf war on pause because of the Salamancas and stuff like that. That um, he's probably static for a little bit.
1: Well, and presumably now, like with this time shift forward, he will have recovered and um. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's another reason they jump forward in time is like now they can bring him back all healed up. Yeah. But no, yeah, looking forward to
0: the uh, last three episodes. It's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, give 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 uh, Bob and Kirk the yummy
1: I know, seriously. Yeah. All right, Chef Special Time? Let's do it. All right, what you got? So I I've got a, a a pick that I'm excited about this week um which is living the keyless lifestyle um which I've been able to do the last couple of months now between the August smart lock and the Model 3 uh both of which rely just on my phone as a key and it it's it's really great um not having to carry around any sets of keys each day kind of brings me one step closer to the dream of just kind of having everything on my phone so you know obviously eventually hopefully being able to use my phone for everything that like my wallet does today i mean obviously we're far from that but this is a kind of step in kind of that direction um yeah it it's just it's it's really really nice to not have to remember um or having to remember one less thing.
0: So can you I'm actually not that familiar with it. Can you explain how your phone can be a key to your car?
1: So there's a setup process where um well I mean this is all happening over Bluetooth. Um but there's a setup process where the the car comes with two kind of like credit card looking things that are actually little RFID chips and when you so you can you can use the or you can open the car using those there's a little um RFID reader on the outside of the car um that you like if you have your car valeted for example you hand this little credit card thing to the valet and that's what they use to unlock the car um but then you can also um there's another reader inside the car where if you put the card inside of that you then can have this option of setting up your phone as a key, so the phone, when you go through that process, pairs itself to the car, and this is a different process than just pairing your car for like Bluetooth audio streaming. Um, and then I guess using probably Bluetooth low energy, it um, the car can detect when your phone is close by to the car, and then, you know, when the phone's close enough, it just automatically unlocks the car.
0: That's cool. And can you do more than one phone?
1: Um, that's a good question. I don't I don't see why you couldn't. Yeah, in fact, I'm sure you could because there's a there's like a menu on the um like door screen where it it seems like you could have more than one phone set up. So yeah, I guess you probably could. Pretty cool. Yeah. Um Yeah, it's um it it's it's a little it's a little bit of a bummer lately where it it was super super reliable when I first got the car. Um, it's been a little less reliable lately where sometimes it sometimes it takes a couple of seconds, a couple extra seconds to recognize that your phone's nearby. Um, and if you look on any Tesla forums, it's lots and lots of people having that issue now. So it's something that'll probably get ironed out. But, um, I mean, ultimately it, like I've never had it fail. Like I've, I've never had, like I carry, um, I carry one of those RFID cards with me just in case. Um, but I've, I've never had to use one of those. Um, it ultimately always works. It just sometimes takes an extra beat or two, which is not dissimilar to how the August smart lock works in my experience as well.
0: Yeah. The, the, the Germans have a word for everything and there's probably a word for something that you get really confident in that immediately. Starts working less reliably once you acknowledge how confident you are.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that that is true in the case of the Model 3, where when I first got it, I was really impressed at how well the the Bluetooth thing had worked. Uh, especially because I had had a friend get one a couple months before me, and he actually had quite a f- bit of an issue with his using his phone as a key. So I kind of expected that to not work very well. And I totally did like the first month, but it's since then, it's not been as great.
0: Mm-hmm. Kaufman Freuda, <laughs> um, okay. So <laughs> that's, that's probably offensive. Uh, all right. So my actually, so uh, b- piggybacking off yours, yeah. August Smart Lock still pretty great, but I, t- two or three times a week I'll get the thing that says we couldn't communicate with your thing, and it doesn't unlock. It's it's a bummer, but it's still it's still great. And I'm glad you pressured me into it. Uh, so my pick is actually be kind of one and a half uh media picks. So on Netflix and NBC, there's a show called The Good Place that's a half-hour sitcom starring uh, Kristen Bell and Ted Danson, and it's very, very good, and, and it's weird and funny, and it's it's very surprising that you would think that it's on network TV. It is two short 13-episode seasons, uh, both of which are available on Netflix, and it's a, it's a super funny—mindless uh, um, is the wrong word— but like it's it's not a high engagement TV show. It's it's no breaking bad or um what's one of the other shows you have to like give your full attention to. I don't know. But it's it's very good, so recommend people check that out. And then also a half endorsement. Uh I signed back up for Hulu and uh The Handmaid's Tale, season one, is pretty good. Apparently reviews of season two are not that good. Um but yeah, season one gets a, a one and a half thumbs up.
1: So everything I've heard about that show is it's a it's a tough tough watch, Handmaiden's Tale. So
0: the first one is good. So the working title of that show could be uh, Mike Pence's Dream Journal. Um, So are you familiar with what the show is? Not really, no. So basically the no-spoiler synopsis of it is that uh, the United States has some type of event where, within a couple of years, uh, basically all of women's rights have been stripped away, pretty much. Um, and the United States becomes kind of just like this weird, like it splits off into a different country, sort of, and uh, becomes like just like a heavy military state, which uh, and and women have uh, get cu- cut off from all like financial accounts and um, get sold into uh, servitude, which uh, doesn't seem all that unlike uh, some stuff that some people want in this country currently. So that's where one, like the first season, it was kind of this, um, like, you'll even see that like a bunch of the protests against uh, Trump and stuff like that had the people dressing up like um, the characters in the show. Like it has a a lot of timely parallels to it, even though it's a book that uh, Margaret Atwood wrote um, like five or 10 years ago. So, but apparently fiction wasn't that far off from the truth mm. but season two so season one i would say yep good good solid a minus it 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 takes a little time to get going but it's it's very good season two apparently um has very very few of the redeeming qualities and becomes much more like the walking dead which is a show i absolutely hate so um i am i'm going to enjoy season one and let it end there and not bother to watch the rest of it
1: yeah it seems like it it gets a little bleak
0: yeah, and and like and I would definitely say like the the first season is 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 bleak as hell. But um, yeah, it seems like there's very few redeeming qualities to the second season, and it's and it's more just kind of
1: yeah. Well, so you stuff I shouldn't say. So you said yeah. you signed up for Hulu. I guess they, they, I I means still that that's not an Amazon show. I thought that was Amazon. No, that, that's Hulu. So
0: that, that's Hulu. Okay. So Hulu has that and Fixer Upper, and that's that's I figured that's worth twelve dollars a month. Also, Hulu is weird that they have uh, eight dollars a month, and then you get to watch their stuff with ads, and then four dollars a month and more, and you get to watch it without ads, which seems strange. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. And I mean, and who what kind of monster or or who's watching the ads? <laughs> I, mean, or, I mean, like that—that that seems really weird. Like, where if you're on board with paying for it. Like, who still wants to be like, okay, I can watch this semi-exclusive content, but I have to sit through 90 seconds of Microsoft Surface ads every 10 minutes.
1: Right. Um, what's the uh, what's the situation like with Hulu and, um like, 4K and stuff? Does it do any of that? That
0: is an interesting point. I don't know, but also that brings up a different question. What version of Netflix do you have? Because I didn't know... That I was not paying for 4K.
1: Like, I have the middle one. Oh, yeah. No, I, when I, um, when we got that godforsaken first Samsung 4K <laughs> TV, <I'm> um, sorry. <laughs> I, um, I upgraded to the, uh, I think they call it the Ultra HD package from Netflix.
0: You yeah, know, like, I'm paying $12 a month, and I think there's like an extra $3 a month gets you 4K, but like, I, I just don't care. Like I mean, like I honestly thought I
1: was getting 4K already and the 1080p that they're sending looks great. I I know. It it, you know, if I'm I find being really honest with myself like you know, I, I've been watching more 4K content recently both with UHD discs and with iTunes 4K rentals. They do look better, but you know, if, if I had some like Cnet lab set up where I could have like two of these <laughs> these OLED TVs side by side with each other and That's the
0: company you think of.
1: <laughs> and compare, you know, the 1080p version of a movie to the four K version, I'm sure there would be some differences, but they're probably not super dramatic.
0: And the thing is you have to think that it's not Blu-ray UHD. Like it's like it's like they're like we have to send this over the internet and have it not buffer every ten seconds. So it's 4k sure it's 490 4096 by 2160 or whatever the resolution is but it's it's a low bit rate to make it feasible.
1: Well, so I, that's totally true um but as someone who's purchased a handful of UHD discs and and has watched movies that way as well, I can't say they look dramatically different or better than an iTunes 4K rental. I again, I'm I'm sure the differences are there and like John Syracuse could make a list of 20 things. Um, but I don't know. To, to me, they don't look dramatically different.
0: Well, whenever, whenever you're bored, please. Um, well, actually on Netflix, they have the rights to Coco right now and you own
1: Coco uh, Cocoa
0: on 4k. So, but I wonder if they have the right to stream it in 4k.
1: It feels like Disney wouldn't. They don't No, if Coco's every, all the Disney stuff. Um, on every platform except for, I mean, there's like one. There's like one platform that does the Disney stuff in 4K now, and they're part of the Movies Everywhere or Anywhere whatever uh, program. So people have figured out that's the way you can watch 4K Disney stuff on Apple TV. I've just been buying the UHD discs because you get. I mean you. You get a Blu-ray version, and you you get a UHD version, a Blu-ray version, and a digital version when you buy those discs, so it's, you know, it's fine. Um, This
0: this sounds exactly like the company that would get in bed with Guy Fieri in Florida. (laughs) That's
2: right.